0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue his Thursday-Friday message series this month on the Tabernacle. Tom will finish today teaching us about the Holy Place. This message is available at friendshipwithgod.org.
1: Luke 15, 4-5. This is the Lord Jesus Christ
0: himself speaking.
1: And he, he looks among the people and he asks them a question. Because they know the passage in Ezekiel. And he, so he's saying to them, is this strange to you? And so he says it in this terms. He said, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, it's a lot, a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, just one of them, he has a hundred, he's lost just one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. In other words, he doesn't give up. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing the names that were on the breastplate of the high priest speak of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for the world. God so loved the world. The names of the shoulder pieces they were on the shoulder pieces. They speak of him bringing back the lost who are willing to be brought to himself. The loving heart, the carrying shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ephod on the high priest. That's the breastplate in the ephod and that's the two pieces on the shoulder there. They speak to us of the loving heart and the carrying shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, the golden mitre. On the head of the high priest was a golden sign. It was a golden plate, and there were words written on it, and the word said, holiness to the Lord. So when you saw the high priest, and he would turn to face you, you would see the sign, This like a flash, as the light reflected off the gold. And you would be stunned, and you would see these words, holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. Seeing this was a constant reminder. This was on his head, above all. A constant reminder that above all, God is holy. Even though the Lord Jesus Christ loves the world, as symbolized by the breastplate, even though he goes after those who are willing to be saved by him, as symbolized by the shoulder pieces, If a sinner rejects God's work to save him from a sin, and he decides to rebel against God and he chooses sin instead of God, then because is first of all holy, holiness to the Lord on that plate, because God is first of all, above all, holy, God has no choice but to cast that sinner into hell. Why? Because the headplate reminds us that above all, God is holy. Now, the coverings. Over the top of both the holy place and the holy of holies, there were four coverings, like ceilings roofs on the roofs, four coverings that made up overhead. And these four coverings speak again, of the of, of the, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, first of all, if you wanted to see the innermost covering, you couldn't see it from the outside. You had to be inside and you had to look up. And the first covering that you saw when you were inside and you looked up was white linen. Again, speaking of the essential purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his person, he was, he is. He always will be pure, pure, without sin, pure, good. He was among sinful men, but he stayed white. He stayed white. It says in Isaiah 53, 12, he was numbered with the transgressors. But Isaiah goes on and he says, and he made his grave with the wicked, but he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth. Sinless. And another place in Isaiah 53, 11, God calls him, this is my righteous servant. No one's called righteous servant but him. My righteous servant. And he says, and you know what he's going to do? He says, God goes on to say, this is my righteous servant will justify many, shall justify many. This beautiful, fine twine linen that was only seen by those who came to the Holy of Holies or the holy place there, it wasn't seen from the outside, was there. And when you think about that, that it was only seen by a few who went on the inside, how many today really see the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many today really see the sinless perfection, the beauty Of his purity, very, very few. Very, very few. In the case of the tabernacle, just those who went inside. Now, there it was. First covering, the linen, the white linen. Second covering, the goat's hair. So you peel back the most innermost covering, and then you come to the next covering, and that was a covering of goat's hair. Goat's hair in, in the Middle East is black, so this was a black covering. The goat was used, and is used all throughout Scripture, as a sin offering. It was the blood of a goat that we mentioned a, uh, a little earlier that was taken on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and carried it to the Holy of Holies as an offering to God for the sin of the high priest and for the sin of the people. Therefore, this covering of goat's hair speaks of how the Lord Jesus Christ took our sin on him. Our iniquities, as it says in Isaiah 53, were laid on him. And when he did become the offering for the sin of man, Isaiah said these words, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, from Isaiah 53, 6. Isaiah 53, 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Last verse of Isaiah 53, verse 12, Therefore will I divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressions. All of that bearing the sin, wounded for our transgressions. The iniquity of us all is laid on him. That's the goat skins, the, goat, the, the, the goat's hair covering there, reminding us of the goat. Paul put it this way. He said this, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He hath made him to be sin for us. Goat's hair covering the sin offering. Daniel put it, he said that the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. Goat's hair, the substitution of it all. Goat's hair covering. This covering speaks to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was made sin for us when he took on us all of our sins. That was the second covering. Third covering, you peel that one back. Third covering, this was a covering of ram's skins dyed red. Ram's skins dyed red. The skin of the animal was dyed with a special dye, which we'll speak about in a minute. But the animal is the ram, and the ram was the animal used in the sacrifices for dedication, dedicatory offerings. When, When you wanted to, if there was a time in your life, when you really felt God calling you, and you really wanted to respond, and you really wanted to tell God, God, all of me, nothing held back. It's going to be all of me. I dedicate my whole self to you. You brought a ram. You brought a ram to be sacrificed. That was the appropriate offering. It was a special offering that expressed your desire to be wholly dedicated to God. And you came with a ram. And when the ram was killed, the priest would take the shoulder of the ram and wave it before the Lord. And it was called the wave offering. And it was an offering of dedication. But the ram skims used here were dyed red. The red dye was obtained from the scarlet worm. The scarlet worm, when it was crushed, it dyed and gave off this red staining liquid. That was used as the red dye. That was used to stain these ram skins red. What does this speak of? The dyeing of the worm. The giving off of the red color that looks like blood. The dedication of the ram. The ram skins dyed red. What do they speak of? Complete Willingness. On the part of the Lord Jesus Christ. So dedicated to God the Father that he was willing to go, and here's these three words again, all the way. That's the, that's, that's the red color. The red color is all the way. All the way to death. Not just any death, but all the way to the death of the cross in obedience to God his Father. He was like Abraham in his dedication. He was like Abraham when God was had called Abraham to kill his only son. And so what happened is that his son Isaac knew what was going to go on. Isaac was also dedicated. Isaac was dedicated to go through as well. But this is such a tender passage in Genesis 22, 2 through 3. Because what it speaks here is when God called Abraham, he said to him, He said, 22 to Genesis, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. I can't imagine these words. He goes on and says, Whom thou lovest. You can almost feel the knife going into Abraham with these words. Take now, not tomorrow, now, thy son, son, Then he has to, the the knife goes in a little further. Thine only son. And then a little further, Isaac. And then a little further, whom thou lovest. That was what Abraham heard. This was a test of his loyalty to God. This was a test of his dedication to God. He hears these words: Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early. That's the word of dedication. Early in the morning. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't say, well, let's see, is, is this, can I still make it there? He, early in the morning, it was, I can't wait to do the will of God. That's Abraham. He rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass. He took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son. It says that. Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. See Abraham here? He's an example of God the Father. Isaac is an example of the Lord Jesus Christ and his willingness to be offered. That was an example of the dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, when faced with the prospect of taking Our sins and the sins of the world on himself, being separated from God the Father, an unthinkable thought, he overcame his own reluctance and he burst through the reluctance with the words in Luke 22, 42, when he said, saying, Father, if thou be willing, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine, be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Why? Because of his dedication to God the Father. That's why. That's why he said through David, king of Israel, in the Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. The ram skins dyed red speak of his dedication to God the Father, who asked him to go all the way to the cross for our sins. You think of that red dye, you just think of it all the time as it's the all the way message. His dedication to the Father that caused him to willingly go. That's spoken of in the ram's skins dyed red. Third covering. Now, last covering on the top was the one that was actually visible to anyone from the outside. It's called badger's skins. Now, it's not really known if these these skins were from badgers or porpoise skins. They were probably from porpoises, which were in abundance in the River Nile. And the Jewish people, they would have had no problem at all getting these uh, an abundance of these skins from the Egyptians when they left, uh, when they asked them to borrow what they could. Anyway they would have had no problem at all. I personally think they were porpoise skins, but, you know, we're, who, who wants to argue? We'll call them badger skins. Anyway, these badger skins, these porpoise skins, both of them are the same in this aspect. They're very drab. They're very drab to look at. They're not dyed. They're not black. They're not dyed red. They're not white. They're just drab. But one thing's true about them. They are impervious to the elements. Very resistant. And when you looked from a distance on the tabernacle, so what are those Jewish people doing down there all gathered around this tent and they, could, and they were camped around it and it was obviously the center of the life of these millions of people out there and the Midianites and the Canaanites and all the otherites when they would stand up there and look down and they would say to themselves, What's with it with them? What? Because all they saw was drab-looking skins, very drab. And they may have thought to themselves, we have far more flashy, beautiful things back in our place for our gods. Why? But they all, that's because all they saw were these drab-looking skins. They had no idea, no idea that just under those skins were beautiful Ram skins dyed red. They had no idea that under them were stunning covering of goat's hair. And underneath that was beautiful, pure white linen. No idea, because all they saw was these drab skins that covered it. nothing special to look at at all. Now, the nothing special to look at aspect refers to the physical appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53 described him, these words in Isaiah 53 too, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty That we should desire him. No form, no comeliness, no beauty. Nothing special. Drab looking. Uninteresting. Like porpoise or badger skins. And these porpoise skins were that way in appearance. But those porpoise or badger skins were impervious to the elements. The beating rain. The baking sun. The biting frost. Impervious. That speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though drab on the outside, unless you knew him, he was impervious to sins. Throughout his life, he was attacked by the world, by the flesh, by the devil. And just like those porpoise skins remained repelled, all those attacks, he repelled those attacks as well. He said, he put it this way. John fourteen thirty. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Didn't get through to him. Hebrews 7, 26. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. John 18, 38. When Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault in this man. Hebrews 9, 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 1 John 3, 5, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin, Impervious. To the sins that were all around him, like the covering of the tabernacle, impervious to all the elements. Now we pass out of this last room here, the holy place, into the outer court. This was the outer court that, that had no roof, there was no roof over the outer court. There were curtains around it, surrounded by curtains of fine twine linens. There were cherubim on, embroidered on those curtains. Those cherubim, as we've said, they represent the protectors of God's special interests. And those cherubim on the outer courts represented the great interest that God has in the purpose of the tabernacle, which is to dwell with man. And when you came out to this outer court, The largest item there was the brazen altar. It was made of a very hard wood, an acacia wood, totally sealed with brass or copper. So no matter how hot the fire got, because it was totally sealed, no oxygen could get into that wood, so it never burned. And at the four corners of the altar were four horns, These were the horns that the animals were tied to before they were slaughtered, where the carcass was tied to, it was burned on the grate. When it was by this altar or on this altar, where the sacrifices were killed, blood was collected. And there were five items that were associated with this altar. First, there were the basins. They were used to collect the blood from the animals which was then used to either pour out at the foot of the altar or carried inside to sprinkle, as we've said, on other pieces of furniture of the tabernacle. Second, there were the pans that were used for carrying the ashes from the altar to outside the camp. And then there were the shovels which were used for scooping up those ashes and or, or for putting more uh, wood onto the fire. And fourth there were the flesh hooks and the flesh hooks were used to hold the animals or the pieces of the animals onto the grate and last were the fire pans and they were used for carrying embers from the altar to the uh, to the altar in the outer court to the altar of incense in the holy place so a follower of god would typically bring an animal for a sin offering there into the priest and he would with his hands over that Offering, he would confess his sin to God, and he would he would imitate as if it, as if this animal, which was blemish, had no blemish, and was going to die for his sin. And then the animal would be slaughtered, and the blood would be collected, and the animal would be put up on the grate and burned. Now, by doing this, the person was saying, "I know and believe." that the wages of my sin is death. And I'm gonna witness the death of this animal to prove that I believe God, the wages of sin is death. Like he said in Ezekiel, "The, the soul that sinneth, it shall die.
0: Tom, the brazen altar seems like such bad news. Is there a good message for us from the brazen altar? Well, yes, in
1: fact, there's a wonderful message in 1 Corinthians 15:54 through57, that really brings to us good news about the brazen altar. It reads there, "Death is swallowed up in victory." Oh death." where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful picture, and that is of a little girl. And she comes running. She says, Mommy, Mommy, there's a bee. There's a bee. She's in the house, and there's a bee. And she's calling to her mother in fear. And her mother says, Don't worry, darling. The bee can't hurt you. And then she pulls out her arm, and on her arm there's a red spot, and the stinger is in the middle of the spot. And she says to the girl, Honey, that bee can't sting you. That bee has only one stinger, and it's in me. You're safe. That's the message of the altar. When we look at the altar, the Lord Jesus Christ is like the mother that took the sting. We see the altar, we see the terribleness of it, but we see that he was the one that paid all the price. And so therefore, because the altar was the place where he died for our sins on that cross, we don't fear death because there's something worse than death and it's the sting of death, which is judgment that comes after death for our sins. He took our judgment for our sins on the cross. So therefore, the altar has a good message for us. He died for our sins.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our Thursday, Friday message series on the tabernacle. We hope those of you that are located in San Diego, California, can come out on Museum Day, Saturday, September 29th, At the Creation and Earth History Museum, at the opening of the Tabernacle here, and you'll be able to meet Tom Cantor as well as Ray Comfort and other guest speakers that will open up the new Tabernacle Light and Sound Display here in Santee, California. Call us at 1 800 247 3051 for more information. Join us again next week as we continue our study in the Bible.